Oh yeah. Guess who's back in business? That's right, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the JMS podcast, the very first episode of the fourth season. How about that new intro music? It's much more relaxing. I think uh, a lot has happened since uh, the season finale of the third season and the news all over the world in personal lives. And I think uh, the goal for this season is definitely to take it a little bit more easy. This intro music was brought to you by Matt Mullen, who, by the way, his band, Mountain Chimes, are going to be the main guests for today. They just released a new album, and we'll get more into that later. Another big news uh, is that we today we are premiering a brand new segment called It's Just Business with Sonia Herrera and Darren Webster. These uh, two people are amazing, and they know what they're talking about. They both have uh, journalistic backgrounds and into the tech and the business, so they're the perfect people to come on down and just break things down for me. Because, you know, so much, especially here in the Silicon Valley in San Jose, so many things are happening. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. All right, some people are mad here, some people over there. I don't know what. So it's great to have this new segment, to have these people just break it down and let us know what is going down in the business side. And today we're going to be talking about Google. There's a recent expansion of Google to the downtown area, which is causing quite a stir. So more to that, For if it's your first time listening, thank you for listening in. You can download and subscribe to the JMS Podcast on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and CastBox app. You can follow the JMS Podcast on your social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check out the JMS Podcast website at jmspodcast.com. Or if you want to email me for any reason, JMS Pet... Oh, shit. Come on. It's the first episode, Jorge. You can't mess this up. All right. Let me try that again. You can email me at jamespodcast at gmail.com. There you go. To be honest with you guys, I did not think I was going to make it to the 100th and 51st episode. Man, we come a long way. I think we are practically at our fourth year, right? That makes sense, right? Well, I'm already looking forward to what's to come. So uh, tune in, buckle in, do what you got to do. Maybe you're working out. Maybe you're listening to this podcast while you're driving. Maybe you're listening to this podcast while you while you're pretending like you're listening to music while like you know somebody's trying to talk to you. Maybe you're at school studying, or maybe you're at work. Did I mention that already? Maybe you're just hanging out. You're like, you know what? I keep hearing this whole JMS podcast thing. I let me tune in. Let me see what this is. What's going on here? Who is this Jorge guy? And who are these people who are coming in and talking to him, huh? What makes him so goddamn special? Why don't I have a podcast? Okay, maybe I'm taking it too far. All I'm saying is, you meet wherever you're listening from, thank you very much. we got uh, 50 episodes to go before our next break. And let's start this one with a great bang. Here is the brand new segment, It's Just Business, with Sonia and Darren. of It's Just Business with Sonia and Darren, where they seek out the human face 
of his business. I don't know. I just fucked it up. How did it no, it's okay. Uh, we just came up with this shit, so you know, it's just business, but it's just every fucking thing in our lives yeah. too. So before we start, it is the very first episode. Let's introduce ourselves and kind of a little backstory about yourself and, and what, what do you hope listeners can get out of this segment? Gotcha. Uh, you want? Yeah, you can go. Yeah, I can start. So my name is Darren Webster. I am um, I'm a native of Richmond, California, in the in the East Bay. And um, uh, my background with this is a is a little bit more as like um, a passive observer. Like I actually like left in uh, left and went to college in uh, Reno, Nevada, and kind of like what I what I wanted to give in I guess in this segment was my perspective on on how things have changed in the bay area like because because it was such a drastic change for me like being gone for three years and then coming back and then seeing like the way that the the tech world is kind of like panning out and and what that means for everybody else in the bay uh yeah do do you feel like that was enough or like that's perfect okay cool nice nice uh well i'm sonia herrera and i'm actually also i'm from stockton but i moved to san jose uh, but close to four years ago to study at San Jose State. Um, I went to study journalism, but I ended up studying economics and did a bunch of journalistic shit. Um, worked at places I would have never dreamed of working. Um, but yeah, I'm also obviously interested in how economics plays out here, especially in regards to San Jose natives, because we're coming at it from a totally different uh, perspective than they are. Um, and me and Darren run this page called No Money on Facebook that is dedicated to helping people in the Bay Area learn how to start their own businesses. So check us out, No Money on Facebook. Uh, but, you know, that being said, you know, well, what we want to talk about today is actually Google moving into San Jose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a huge topic, you know, obviously, like, biggest company in the world and shit. Yeah. Uh, moving into one of the biggest cities in the U.S., And big news for downtown San Jose today. Google may build what could be a city within a city. Right now, the Googleplex in Mountain View is about 3 million square feet. This new downtown mega campus could eventually reach 6 million square feet, making it the largest collection of Google offices anywhere in the world. It's interesting how it's such a polarizing uh, uh, subject. Uh, because on paper, when you hear that your town or your city has a major uh, global conglomerate in it, usually uh, on paper, it's a positive thing because it brings in jobs and you're in the forefront of, of the future. Yeah. It, 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 so it, it, let's go why some people would not see this as a very positive move. Well, um, again, speaking from the perspective of um, somebody, somebody that is a native, like not necessarily to this part of the Bay Area, but um, like it, you, you kind of look around and and you see, you start to see like the disparities that come that come along with um, you know that that conglomerate moving in. Uh, a lot of the jobs and stuff, like while they are there, they're for the most part specialized. So it's like a lot of a lot of what we see is like the jobs are there but it's not necessarily the job the job isn't necessarily there for you as a native and stuff it's like yeah and if it is it's mostly for the service area yeah for the service side of it um yeah and it's you know they're typically paying about 15 bucks an hour like this is very common these days uh it's it's pretty common for for base pay to be about that and but what we're also seeing is the, the the price of rent increase because of the people that are that are coming in for the specialized jobs i mean these these jobs are paying like six figures a year so it's like that's a that's a very massive disparity um when we're when we're talking about like um the 
being able to actually afford to stay in the place that you're in because of because you have new people coming in that are making far more money than you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a question of whether or not Google is going to come in and actually do something outside the box to try to counter the opposition right here because it's like, you know, they're building, they're trying to build a community campus. That's all well and good, but mm-hmm. are people going to be living in RVs on the side of that campus? Are we going to be living in, you know, having to be in tents and shit like that because mm-hmm. the rent is too high? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and a lot of people are, you know, calling for Google to step up and do affordable housing, which would kind of be unprecedented, but at the same time, Google and the rise of tech is an unprecedented development in economic history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're kind of trying to see, is something new here going to happen? You know, the opposition is not quitting. You know, they're not letting go. I mean, this is their home. Uh, this is our home and shit. By the way, who is leading the opposition? It's a, I've seen a coalition of different groups. There's like actually two different branches of the opposition as far as I've seen. There's kind of uh, what you might deem the softer opposition, which is rep- maybe represented well by Silicon Valley Rising, which they're not even strictly opposed, but they've been calling for uh, Google to include uh, affordable housing measures and measures that give back to the community that's here. Um, so they're seeking an opportunity for collaboration, essentially. Yes, exactly. Although they haven't had as uh, big of a voice at the table as have, like, you know, community business groups, which is, you know, something that needs to change, I think. Um, and then we have other groups, um, you know, Serve the People San Jose is one of them, actually. Uh, they're having a rally later today, um, today, uh, May 28th, Monday. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're having a rally, uh, and they're just directly opposed because they know that the effects will bring the rent up, you know? Yeah, I mean, and this, this is something we've seen across the Bay Area. Like, in, in my hometown of Richmond, like, it, Richmond, the, the thing about Richmond that made Richmond so appealing, or, or appealing at all, was the low rent. And now it's like you're seeing studio apartments going for 1500 bucks downtown now. And that's like, why I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime, you know? Yeah. So I can only imagine, like, it, San Jose is already very a very expensive place to live, so I can only imagine what that's, yeah. that, that's going to mean. Which wasn't always that way. I think yeah. for the longest time, San Jose was very much a blue-collar manufacturing uh, area. Mm-hmm. It's changed now, now with the new tech industry, like you said, it's a specialized, you know, jobs, and, you know, they're, they're actually bringing in workers from other places to come here, which kind of, a lot of the industries have gone from San Jose, and now it's mo- mostly service jobs. Yeah. or retail. Um, now, the, the biggest defense that Google has put out there about this whole thing is that their claim is that, w- which is true, they don't have necessarily control over rent. They put that mm-hmm. on the city. So do you, do you feel like there should be more pressure on the city than on Google, or do you feel like there should be a, a an equal amount of pressure on both parties? No, I, th- I think there is shit that the city and, you know, uh, you know, the county uh, as well as the state can fucking do to alleviate the housing crisis. Like, we know we need more fucking housing. We need to fucking prioritize the fucking zoning of housing. Uh, it's kind of directly against the agenda of the city to fucking prioritize housing above uh, jobs, say, because they get more tax revenue from jobs than they do from fucking housing, um, you know, on a property tax basis and on other uh, tax bases. So, you know, they're not necessarily going to allow for more housing unless we give them pressure to um, you know, that being said, I think that there is some things that Google can do, including being more of a proponent for more housing. And it's not as though tech companies don't know, you know, real estate. 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, they can venture into new areas. I mean, you know, Yeah, and if, Google, they, don't, if they don't know, then they can get a partner. You know? Yeah, like, it's like, if you can find a way to get to fucking outer space and build rescue robots and, like, you know, venture into AI, then you can figure out how to build, like, 14,000 fucking housing units. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. come on. like <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah. You know, yeah. is it really rocket science? But sometimes political, <laughs> political will is harder to tap than fucking, you know, the nucleus of an atom and shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> another thing that makes the situation... Uh, a big deal here and kind of unique is because Google isn't exactly the biggest cat in town. You know, I think no. here in the South Bay, we got a variety of b- other big conglomerate companies, uh, eBay and, and PayPal and, and etc. cetera. Uh, so what if Google just be like, well, we don't want to deal with this no more and they move somewhere else. Do, do you think that's going to uh, have a worse impact on the community here? Um, it would probably alleviate a lot of the stressors actually that that the, this community has been experiencing. You know, like we've been think, things like um, the, the the heavy traffic that we're seeing, and I, I think that's actually what Google's trying to do a little bit with this housing development is make it is is like alleviate some of the the, the things that it's already or some of the problems that it feels like itself and the the tech industry has brought to this area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It's it's definitely something that like that ethically speaking like they have to ask themselves I feel like because it's like it's not like the these changes go unnoticed on their part. Yeah, it's like what is the ethical responsibility of companies, particularly when they wield such a huge influence? You know, that's kind of a question that they have to answer themselves. I remember seeing this, uh, you know, a short headline about how uh, uh, Google removed the mention, like, don't be evil and similar edicts out of its, like, mission statement, like, almost completely out. And that was was once the phrase that we associated with Google most closely, don't be evil, you know? That was, like, their main, one of their main, like, you know, ethical stipulations and shit. Uh, Yeah. So it's, like, as you know, as far as the question goes of, you know, what if they moved out and stuff, it's, like, that that is a tough one, you know, because I don't don't feel like this was a place, or I I don't actually know if this was a place that was, like, struggling financially, like, in terms of community-wise before, before the tech, the the tech companies started started coming in more but um yeah it's just it it really that is that's a very fair question to ask it's like what if you know like things are bad now but how much worse would they be if they weren't here yeah Yeah. because in some ways you know this is uh kind of kind of of an example of many things uh to to kind of go after google like this because no other big company around here has been given as much scrutiny as google Mm-hmm. Is currently having, so I'm not sure if this is like a, a kind of like what's what's the word when you're like testing the waters to see how much pushback you can give and how yeah. much because at the end of the day the way a lot of people see it is that they are a company the company's number one uh, uh, principle is to make money for the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, however, like you said, Google is more prevalent in our lives than ever, so it doesn't make it a normal company like most companies. Yeah. Uh, not not because of the products, but but the services, the internet, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of an interesting um, thing that's happening now, especially the locals. For me personally, yeah, I see Google stick around and stuff and offering this kind of opportunities to the town, a good thing. Mm-hmm. However, there are many things that need to be done to help out the ho- housing crisis, the traffic, and the inequality of, of pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I do want to know, like, have you heard from, you know, locals on your side? Because I've heard from, like, you know, 
uh, one of my good friends, uh, uh, you know, my former roommates and stuff like that, she was just straight up saying, like, yeah, it straight up needs to be opposed because it's not so much for me. You know, she works full time. You know, she has a, a rent a room. So keeping things, expenses as low as possible. But she's thinking about her parents. She's thinking about people that are on the margins of, like, you're already renting the lowest rent accommodations and you have the lowest income, you know. Right. It's like, where are you going to be pushed to the margins? Are you going to be pushed to places in the Central Valley? Which, coming from the Central Valley, it's like, okay, come on, that's not the worst fate ever. But, yeah. you know. But it is dramatically well, different. Yeah. Has Google made any efforts to collaborate with any of people in the opposition? Um, not that I see. I know that the city has brought on, let me see, I think about two or three, um, you know, representatives that are, uh, Clyde relatively close to fucking Silicon Valley Rising, which is that less op opposing, but more wanting to collaborate community group. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, let me see. I think we have someone from like Working Partnerships USA. I think maybe like the law, uh, the law foundation in Silicon Valley, um, in there. But, you know, other than that, they haven't addressed the main thorniest issue, which is the affordable housing, which is a big thing that the opposition is, you know, requesting, um, you know, from Google to do if it's going to move into San Jose. And I'm really, though, curious. Uh, I would like to know, like, you know, have you heard from any peer groups, you know, especially native San Jose people? Of course. And you're, yeah, what have they said and stuff? Uh, it's all over the spectrum. There's some who are flat out, they don't want them. There's some who flat out want them. There's some who are in the gray area of, like, yes, given these, you know, things can work out. So it's, it's definitely all, all over the place. But I, I do feel a lot uh, of people are more against it than those mm -hmm. who are. Mm -hmm. uh, but but then again, you know, it, just like the there's an expectation for the company to keep everything account. I think there's responsibility on the individuals also keeping everything account. What mm -hmm. it, it would mean to not have Google no longer, you know, in your in your town. Yeah. And for me, I'm, I, I always believe that there's things to work out. There, there's yeah. And I, I definitely feel that Google is in a better position to help out more than they already are. Uh, but yeah, I hear it's a, it's a it's a very polarizing, and it's interesting how it's gonna play out. But I'd like to hear about from you two how you feel uh, could be the, a positive next step for this uh, situation. Like I would, I honestly would like to see like San Jose have like more tech and shit like that. Like coming from you know Stockton, you know where it's not exactly an absolute absence of tech, but. There's not many opportunities there. I'll just flat out say, um, you know, even for regular service jobs, you know, you're working at McDonald's or, you know, that's about something similar. Um, and, you know, coming here to San Jose, even for someone without an education, without much professional experience, I'm able to work at places that I never would have imagined. You know, even my sister commutes from Stockton to San Jose to work at the Tech Museum. Yeah. Uh, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what a so yeah. it is a commute, but, you know, a lot of people make that commute, and there's a reason why because the economic opportunities are here. Um, and, you know, having seen what it's like without those opportunities, I would not want to say, let's go backward. Let's be more like Stockton, you know? And I don't think that San Jose would necessarily be like that. But to me, I'm more on like the pro tech, uh, pro opportunity side that tech brings, even for fucking down the line, like service jobs and shit, because it's like, you know, I'd rather work at like, you know, Malaysian Kitchen than like McDonald's any day, which is where my other sister works, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, but that being said, I fucking, I do see the effects that they would have, you know, 
part to me coming from Stockton to San Jose, I want to move to a big city. I want to move to a big city that has a diverse group of people. And so if the effect that uh, Google moving into San Jose would have is to, you know, kind of cut people out, make it more like San Francisco with its 800,000 versus San Jose, 1 million, then it's like, what's the point? You know, it's kind of like, what's the point of being a big city if you can't, aren't even a big city? You know what I mean? I yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I was going to say, it's it's definitely more mixed feelings for me. Like in, in you know, going back to a point that she made about, about people commuting from, from other places to come to where opportunities are. It's actually how me and her met. I um I was commuting three hours from Richmond, three hours away from Richmond, um, yeah. and we we actually met on a bus and stuff and started talking about economics, and like you know I, I think that that was that was a big thing for me when I first came back down from Reno. Like this was the first place that I started getting calls back for jobs and things. So I was like, you know what? At first, it was like, oh, yeah, I'll come down here. You know, we'll just do we'll do these interviews and it'll just be practice. And, you know, that'll be it. But like I came down here and kind of fell in love with the culture, man. Like mm-hmm. it's it's so dramatically different from Richmond in like in terms of in terms of opportunity and safety and things like that. And so I, I recently made the decision to move down here as as far as I actually work for a tech start- startup as well. But as far as um how I feel about about Google, it's it's definitely mixed feelings, or you know, in this particular situation, like I, I forgot to mention earlier that I'm studying to become a software engineer, and so for me, it's like you know, this is the same thing that's like while this is the same thing that's moving out all of like my friends and a whole bunch of family and stuff because they're definitely being pushed into the Central Valley and and, and into places like Pittsburgh and um just kind of like out of the way places where the rent is low, um it's it's a little bit hard to watch yeah but it's like at the same time there is that opportunity there for me to take action and you know like i said like learning how to learning to become a software engineer to make the the type of salary that these people are making to be able to help my family mm-hmm. so it's like it's it's definitely a double-edged sword for me and i i, I see I, I saw from articles that google's mostly buying um it's buying like development properties and it's buying like, you know, old mom and pop places that that are shut down and things like that. And, you know, that directly doesn't necessarily affect the community, but like it, 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 it won't displace anyone. But while it won't, it definitely will drive the price of everything up in this area. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I just I'm, I also just moved down here. So now I have concerns about like, wow, am I going to be able to afford to stay down here in the meantime <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I hear you. yeah and we're like renting the cheapest shit you know yeah. cheapest shit besides uh camping or you know being yeah. in the rv you know and, and me you know being born and raised here and, and i have a similar fear it's like how long can i even stay here yeah you know uh but i, I do feel you know just close a, a bit like i do feel uh that the state uh local government and the county stuff should have a more uh, progressive effort towards mm-hmm. this because I do think considering how big San Jose is yeah it's kind of dumb to have people move move away to yeah. su- to such when there's plenty of space in my opinion yeah uh, to start building affordable ha- housing and to start you know f- finding a partnership here with Google and see what can be done because mm-hmm. traffic has like, in the past five years traffic has gone pretty bad yeah like I, I noticed this I was like man I'm getting old if I'm noticing these things <laughs> <laughs> but but it's like um those fears are, are very much real that people are having mm-hmm. and I think uh, there it, I just want to see how this plays out and I'm only hoping it plays out the best for everyone involved all right well thank you for coming 
Awesome. And uh, I hope I'm already looking forward for the next segment. All right. Thanks. There you have it. It's just business with Sonia and Darren. What's your take on this topic? Let me know by emailing me at jmspodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. All right, we're going moving on to our main guest. We got three people here, uh, the band that goes by the name of the Mountain Chimes. Matt Mullen's a good friend of mine, and then I met uh, Mark, also a real cool guy. Then I, I got to talk to their drummer, Nick. I had all three of those fellows right here at the JMS Podcast Studio to discuss their latest EP that was just released like a couple days ago from this recording uh, called Sit, Drink, Relax, available on Bandcamp. Just search The Mountain Chimes. These guys are great. They're great people. Very multi-talented instrumentalists. And I got to say... Um, I'm very, very happy and proud of them. I know for the longest time, I'm like, Matt, man, you guys need an EP. Come on, Matt, you guys could do it. And I mean, I'm not gonna take the the which call it the. I'm not gonna take credit that I'm the reason why they made this album. But I like it's very comforting to know that maybe I was just that little little spark in the oceans of other sparks. That because a lot of people are supporting this band, rightfully so. Because they're very talented and it's great music. And it totally opened my mind to to the possibilities of, of, of music genres. For example, if it wasn't for Matt, I would not have been introduced to math rock. Alright? By, by first listen of math rock, I was like, ah, what, the, what is this? But then the more I listened to it, the more I tuned in, the more I found a frequency. I'm like, holy shit, I'm treating math rock like I treat jazz. Wait, maybe I was wrong. Jazz is not dead. Jazz still has room to, to move forward. It's just in the form of math rock because it makes kind of sense. It's the young kids doing it. It's underground. And there's nobody telling them how it should be, which in some ways fits along jazz. So there's a moment where... I was listening to the album in the car, and I'm like, I was completely wrong about jazz. I was completely wrong. It, 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 and maybe many people are like me, where they're like, you know what? Jazz is still very much alive. It's just, you know, has a different audience and are just a different direction than was expected. So that that is why I was happy. For these uh, local guys to develop the CP, and I really enjoyed it. So let's get to our conversation. Uh, before we do that, I'm gonna play a song from their EP. This song is called Memories. It's one of my favorites, and uh, I hope you dig it. And I hope you dig the conversation as well. So let's get right down to it. <laughs>
All right, we're good. We're here with the Mountain Chimes. Uh, great band with a good friend of mine, Matt Mullen. Hey, everybody. I pronounced your name right this time. Yes. Did not, you notice that? Not Mullins, plural. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. That's right. And then we got Mark here. Say hi, Mark. Oh, hey. And we got Nick. Hi, how's it going? So how you guys doing? How, how you guys? How, you, you guys just released this great album, Sit, Drink, Relax, brand new EP, first of its kind from you guys. How was the... Uh, wh why am I doing this too professional? I don't know. I'm not going to ask you guys. Oh, what was the inspiration of this album? But but pretty much, you guys just, just finished it a couple of days ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, we just... Well, we finished it a little while ago, and then, um, like, probably before the end of May. Mm -hmm. um, and then we just kind of figure out a date when to release and stuff and we thought it'd be a good good time to release it a week before we uh head out to tour and stuff so mm. yeah and i know you guys been playing music together for a while you guys been performing for a while why was it now a good time to create the cp yeah it was a long time coming uh definitely so i mean kind of origin story me and mark here um we played together for about like a year without you Nick. know yeah, without Nick, without a, without any sort of drummer, and we're just like really trying to find the drummer. That was like the next step in our, you know, progression. And then we we found Nick. We found Nick, and uh, yeah, I just kind of hit it off, and it was all uh, it was all, um, you know, sailing, smooth sailing from there. So, so yeah, we've probably been together for about like three years, and I don't know. We were just kind of like, man, we gotta we gotta come together we gotta put our songs together and, and release something yeah so. yeah because all we before this all we really had was um youtube videos live, oh, live yeah. videos of us yeah. on youtube and then that? like some like demos on soundcloud and yeah stuff. and then at the time well um now too i was like just working on like getting my own like little recording studio uh um, get going on and stuff and then i thought like hey like it'd be a good idea if i recorded my own band kind of like Say, like half practice my own like studio like producing skills and stuff and then also ha actually have something that sounds nice to release to uh, the public and stuff so it was funny yeah. too because we had like a lot of songs like yeah. a ton of songs and there wasn't any reason not to record those songs so you know for the CP we just kind of chose the ones that we thought made sense in a in a project and you know in a sonic like thematic way you know i think they they work together um you know it's instrumental but uh, i feel like every one kind of ties in the next one in a in an interesting way so that's how we kind of chose what songs to to put on was there a central theme to this album that you guys kept in mind when choosing the songs uh, no <laughs> not necessarily yeah uh not really well as, as far as the songs we just like would be like a good like set a good list of songs to release as a first EP so we just kind of like went through our whole catalog yeah um, and we just kind of picked like oh this would be a good um, one to like release for the first time and stuff and then the whole theme with like sit drink relax we just we we're just trying to come up with ideas like not for just the EP and for like the tour like we got a name we got to give a tour like uh, a name as well and we just came up with sit drink relax uh, kind of come came off as like a lounge act kind of theme, I guess. I don't yeah, know. yeah. So the the art kind of complements that in in a way. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to to go through the songs, I mean, uh, each song we picked, like you know, the the first song, math problems. That's like a 
By the way, you guys spilled math problems without an yeah. O. Was that intentional? I thought uh, that was my idea. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> that was my. Was? I, I don't know. I thought it was cool. Okay. <laughs> you had a problem language. spelling it too. So <laughs> yeah. math problems. Yeah. But uh, it, it was that was a newer track, and then kind of each song is like you, you know flip flops between oh this is a like an oldie, this is an oldie for us, and then this is a new one. So I kind of liked um, how that came together too. So we're we're displaying like our you know our older selves, you know when we first started, and oh, we're. Yeah. Um, and we also changed, uh, like one of the songs, Understanding, we've played that song like so many times and we have changed, especially the second half of it over and over and over again. And then on this EP, it's, there's actually a new version of that song yeah. that we, uh, that we wrote just for the EP. So it it's kind of cool to, it was actually you know, the original version of the song, how we used to play it, but yeah. then we kind of changed it up. <laughs> and we so that was like last yeah. minute too. Yeah. Yeah. So what I like about this is that you guys have it's an EP. You guys have six tracks. Most people when they put an EP, they put like e they put like three to four, which I'm like a little bothered because you're spending some money on it if you're buying it. You, <laughs> yeah. you at least want some you know a while with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I think six songs is about a good number. Yeah. It is. Actually, was that the initial plan? Yeah. No. No. Actually, I was I was actually oh, yeah. thinking like three tracks. Yeah. The four at most, and then. Um, Matt was like, oh, I was thinking like six, especially because we're planning on putting it on a CD as well. Yeah. And like, we might as well try to fill up like that time. Uh, so yeah, thank, thank you to Matt for... <laughs> well, the, the personal, yeah. uh, like, what I like is putting it on a CD and going for a drive. At least, you know, enough material to, to get to work or something, which is maybe like a 30-minute commute. Oh, yeah. Uh, or, or less or so, something like that. So and well, then again, in your genre of music, you're kind of allowed to. Since it's instrumental, you're kind of allowed to record lo- longer songs, right? Mm-hmm. Which your longest song is the uh, Gates Clear Waters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, six songs in this album. It was kind of a combination of yours and Mark's idea. Uh, the six song like yeah length. Um. Well, again, I mean, like I was pushing for like three or four tracks and then Matt came along like, hey like why want I want to do like six tracks and stuff and actually uh, the song that you just mentioned um, Gates Clear Waters technically that is two sep- two songs yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's a total of seven songs it's a total of seven songs but six tracks yeah Nick fought for that one yeah, yeah. yeah. just yeah. to make it like nice and even because yeah. in my head when, it, when I first started playing the, that song uh, I just saw it I just saw it as like one like long like tune yeah and stuff but yeah <laughs> how's the like discussion like with you guys when it comes to like fighting for songs or you know choosing the songs and do, do, oh. is it like a long process of, of just you know negotiation oh, or is it like we, fast oh, you, you guys not... are you guys on the same frequency most of the time yeah most of the time yeah uh, we're just kind of like oh like I like we if we really wanted to like let's say um, talk about the Gates Clearwater's the whole separate song like thing. Me and Matt, we're not like like totally like just like like trading punches or anything like that. Or anything <laughs> like, but um, basically, because like I was when we first uh, were designing the the back cover of it, I put it as well. Now it still is, but I put it as Gates slash Clearwater's on the same track. And then um, before we were going to release it, Matt was like, "Oh no, like Gates sh- should be like the separate song, so it'd be Gates." Uh, one track and then clear waters the next track and stuff but then like for me like sort of like being a perfectionist just like I just wanted I'll just keep it as six tracks and like just do gate slash clear water so it's just kind of like 
pushing like for like oh i think this like would just make a little bit more sense like from my like point of view and stuff but yeah most of the time we're all just kind of like um basically on board we all have our own little like uh i guess roles in the band oh like, yeah definitely yeah and since you guys are a trio so you guys have like a tiebreaker that's right. true. Every every decision has tiebreak. Oh yeah, that that's true. true. <laughs> Usually, like, end up playing uh, paper, scissor, rock, or yeah, that's that's an effective out. way. Of that was just doing that anything. one time. Okay, yeah, that was one time. We're, gonna, we're we'll use it more because that's that's super effective. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Back uh, to grade school. And it looks like you guys recorded this uh, album in a kind of do do yourself style, which you said it was your home studio. Yeah. Or what was it Matt's home It was studio? at Matt's place. You guys yeah, recorded at he, Matt's he place. It, it was my movable home studio, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, I, it came out really good. Like, it, oh, the oh, quality and, and the production value is definitely there. Yeah. What were some of the challenges you were having putting it together, Nick? Oh, gosh. Uh, a lot. Like, first, like, first when we started tracking, like, the first day, like, I just couldn't figure out, like, I hooked everything up, mic'd everything up and stuff, and then, like, uh, what was it? I was like trying to like get sound um, out of the interface, but I couldn't hear anything through the, through my headphone monitors. But I was seeing the signal, so like there was like it was I was like dealing with it for like a good like ten like ten twenty minutes, and then like oh, all I had to press was just a button, and then I could hear it all of a sudden. <laughs> so it's those kind of like stupid little problems yeah. that um, was just like oh my god, like, that happens often to me too, especially here podcasting. Like sometimes oh, like for I forget sure. to press record, I'm like, what's going on? My system's broken. I don't know what I'm doing. It's like oh, you just didn't press record. Oh god, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, you also did the mixing? Uh, mixing, mastering, yeah. I was just kind of like, I hope this goes right. <laughs> uh, just like working on it. Yeah, mostly like I was just more worried about kind of getting that like, getting as close as possible to like that professional like mastered sound, like getting that yeah. full like volume, getting it as loud as possible and stuff. But then just watch a few YouTube videos and like it just all worked out for me. <laughs> so yeah. since you did do it you know, yourself, D DIY, uh, does that mean that you guys had to record old school or you guys were all playing the songs in the same room or do you guys do the separate tracks thing? Uh, we did it old school. So yeah. we did a live uh, recording session. Um, actually, we I don't know if you guys post, uh, post on Instagram uh, during one of our sessions where um, it was the whole basically the whole setup was Matt and Mark were uh, standing across from me, the amps facing towards me. That way the mics, their mics uh, would be facing away from the drums. And then uh, I would be on the other side, and then we would actually have this like janky. Uh, <laughs> we had a, we had a card yeah. table. We had two like yoga mats and yeah. like a, a wall to block the sound, yeah. so it wouldn't bleed into yeah. the other mics. Yeah, just kind of create a janky like barrier or a shield. It worked. It worked. It, it, it sort yeah. of worked to totally like worked. lessen the bleed and stuff. But, but. I, I feel like some of that really adds authenticity to a record. Like, oh, you know, absolutely. like, don't get me wrong, like, there's some, especially these, it's pretty common to record tracks separately in the instruments, which can get, like, a clear sound, mm -hmm. but yeah. sometimes it gets a little too clear, and the production may be great, but, like, you can tell, like, yeah. something's off, yeah, or, or something's just not natural, yeah, yeah. And, 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 like, you know, and just, there's some, there's a specific authentic quality when you hear a record where you could just tell that the musicians are in the same room mm -hmm. fe feeding off each other almost yeah and that's exactly yeah. why i wanted to do the live um live session rather than uh doing track by track because that way i mean we're, it, we're just kind of like everything's just being uh recorded like 
as how we usually play and I feel like I felt like um, if we did track by track like we probably wouldn't have been able to get this EP like uh, released any sooner um, so yeah and also like um, I'm not that super <laughs> producer savvy or tech savvy so I just wanted to keep it as simple as possible <laughs> Mm-hmm. To go uh, off yeah. that though, I mean, for for me anyway, the way like I look at uh, the Mountain Chimes and it it seems that you know we were a, a live band for so long that like almost doing this EP live is kind of like an ode to like how people usually experience us, you know, because like we didn't have anything before that. It's not like we were like a studio project and we yeah. you know started out that way. No, we just started out like you know three years just playing live. So I think you know when when you do listen to the EP you hear like that energy that you usually know from us already you know mm. so hopefully that comes across <laughs> how Mark how was your experience coming into this project and kind of like because uh, uh, I know you're a busy guy I think you traveled a bit and yeah. any of those a bit of concern I mean uh, I guess going back to the origins it all started as off as like a hobby so our first year with just me and Matt we're just like kind of us experiencing learning and trying to establish a style and then once Nick came in it kind of like I don't know we put our foot on the gas pedal and we really went from there and like seeing everybody like putting in so much work like Nick invested so much into like recording equipment um, Matt started opening up his schedule and then like you know we had this idea like why don't we just come out with a CP um, yeah it really evolved super fast so that's where I'm at uh, I'm a little lost because I'm busy majority of the time but uh just trying to support these guys now now that their records are officially out uh, do you feel like it's much more than a hobby now, now oh yeah all? absolutely i think um you know there's definitely more plans for the future with us uh we're even planning on well actually no that's oh uh, it's disclosed <laughs> but yes <laughs> should, we, should we do rock paper scissors <laughs> oh, <laughs> no no no. <laughs> no but um there's definitely more plans. Like after this EP, it's just a great stepping stone for us. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, we're gonna go ahead and uh, you know put our skills to the test and try to come out with uh, better production and yeah, 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 for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Now I, I like the art. Like we were talking before we start recording, and uh, in in, it, in I'm holding the actual CD. You guys decided to print out CDs. Yep. Not not many bands do this anymore these days. <laughs> it's all digital on streaming. Mm-hmm. So there's something uh, about physical, you know. Right, it's, it's right. Like, yeah. Something to take home, you know. Yeah. Now, are you guys also planning to do vinyl? Oh, that would be so awesome. <laughs> yeah. I would love to. Uh, I'm a huge, you know, vinyl junkie myself. So that would be amazing. But yeah, not right now. I don't think it's in the cards right now. So really, what was the thought behind making, uh, you know, physical CD copies? Well, uh, well, we already mentioned before that we're planning on going tour. Um, this this coming or this coming month this month um, we're actually going to be leaving just a few days but where are you like, heading to? Uh, we'll be going up and down the west coast uh, we'll be hitting uh, places in uh, Oregon Eugene Portland um, we'll be going to Washington well we only have really have one yeah. show in Washington but that's okay we have a, uh, one show in Bremerton Washington which is like sort of near Seattle and then um, we're also planning on actually going up into Canada and to British Columbia and play a show in Vancouver um, but yeah and then after that we're going back down uh, play a show here back in San Jose and then play a few shows a few more shows in uh, SoCal wow so it's like a long road trip uh, yeah basically or are you guys flying 
No. no. Road trip, right? Yeah, road trip. Who's car are you guys taking? Taking the soccer mom. Yeah, soccer mom. Soccer mom. Soccer mom. Is it your mom's van? It's my mom's mini. Your mom's a sweetheart. That's so cool. Is she driving you guys? or is No, no, no. We're driving ourselves. Cool. We ripped the seats out. Is it a Toyota? Toyota Sienna, yeah. Toyotas last forever. Right, yeah. So we're hoping it takes us there. But back to the point we were asking, like, oh, why did we want to create CDs and stuff? Is Again, we're going on tour, and we, like, before we go on tour, we had to have some something like this EP to give out to oh, like merch yeah, yeah yeah merch as well but like it didn't to me it didn't make sense we went on tour but we didn't have like a CD and I felt like that was like the, or anything like that that just like gave him like our music and stuff yeah. rather than oh here just go to this link and um, you'll get to our like Bandcamp webpage and stuff but yeah so that's why I was like oh we should actually have like some sort of physical copy of our music to give out and that's why we went with CDs um, yeah. yeah, and I know the art was done by uh, your both of your girlfriends, yeah. Nick's and Matt's girlfriends, who are artists and graphic designers. Yeah, what was the process like working with them? You know, because I'm sure it's a unique experience when you're working with a significant other yeah. to do something like this. So the origin of the martini glass, uh, we were uh, double dating. Uh, we we're at a bar, <laughs> um, and then they were just Mark wasn't you know five wheeling it. <laughs> But we, we were like That's also so we were also kind of like texting him, calling him, like kind of keep it like our dates are going great. How are you doing, Mark? <laughs> you know like? We were talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's great. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> Say hi. Yeah. Mark's like, I'm so alone. Glad you guys are having a good time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we were like just like hanging out, and they were like drawing on like they brought like little notebooks just to kind of talk about starting talking about designs for the EP and stuff, and then. Um, Matt's girl, uh, Matt's girlfriend Adriana. She came up. She drew just like a martini glass. Which they were just kind of drawing food. <laughs> were, they, yeah. were they drawing what was in front of them? Like at this uh, date, this dinner date? Was that? Well, we were at Peggy Sue's. We're, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah do do they have martinis at Peggy Sue's? No, no, no. no, no, no. We, we were just we we're just thinking of it. It was going to be like spaghetti and meatballs. Oh yeah, and like yeah. different it things. It was like but, the original idea for yeah. this EP was it would be like a sort of like a three-course meal there'd be the spaghetti and meatballs <laughs> there'd be the martini for the drink and then there'd be like a slice of cake and then we're thinking because we also have uh, we came up with stickers um we're thinking like individually what like stick there would be three versions of stickers one with the cake spaghetti and then the martini glass a uh, food is really a big theme here i don't know yeah. what's that about <laughs> we just like food um yeah. consume food consume our music right yeah yeah, yeah exactly um but we felt like or at least like um Adrian and Esther, um, they felt like it was just like a lot going on, so we just decided we just settled for just the martini glass as like the main like focal. Also, I think the lounge aspect of it, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. took over a lot, like because when we saw their you know kind of demos of of the artwork, we're like, oh, it kind of looks like a like a like refreshing take on like lounge art, like at a winery or something. So I think that kind of took over in my head anyway. So I'm mm -hmm. like, Oh, I, I really like well, that well, atmosphere for me. It's very minimalistic and I love, yeah. I love minimalistic art. Oh, the love that thing said that. Yeah. And, yeah. and a lot, a lot of things, minimalism, like I think you can make such a good, uh, point to, to art at the same time, uh, make a, a clear visual. You know, it's yeah. like when you pass by, it's like so simple that like, yeah, you notice it. You know, when you're yeah. passing by. Now you name the the album "Sit, Drink, Relax." Mm -hmm. What's the story behind that? You know, name of the album. Uh, who was it originally? 
Um, it was originally going to be like sip, like sip, take a sip of the drink, <laughs> relax, and enjoy. Um, but then I don't know. To me, it just it's like uh, kind of sounded weird to me. So I changed it to sit, like just like just like relax. I mean, if anything, like it would just again, we just kind of want to come like come off that that theme like as a lounge act. Oh, just like sit down, like have a drink and like relax, and like this would be like like just a nice soothing like kind of music. But really, most of the time, it's not. <laughs> so it's kind of like a funny idea. To go off that, yeah, I I really fell in love with that name because I think, um, especially being an instrumental band, there's this aspect of, you know, you're reaching people who may love jazz, which is uh, something that, you know, all three of us enjoy. And you have some people who, you know, cling to the lyrical side of music a lot, which is totally fine. I love, I love uh, music with lyrics and, you know, I have a Bob Dylan and all those, you know, whatever. Um, but I guess my point is, is that there takes a different kind of way of listening as an audience member to something that's instrumental. And it's like, okay, just try to open up to listen to the melodies we're creating. And, you know, I, there might not be lyrics to keep you, you know, engaged in like a, a verbal story, but, you know, a sonic one is, is there too kind of thing. And the, the thing is, is that I, I think it's funny too, of what, going off what Nick said about, yeah, we're, you know, la like lounge, like we're presenting that lounge atmosphere, but a lot of our music is pretty heavy sometimes. And we've gotten that complaint from people before too. Like we've, we from played fans it. or from I'm, I'm not going to say what venues, but we played it oh, at a couple venues. venues that are like, oh, like they're, they're really good. Just too loud, 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 loud. And it's funny. Cause like, you know, too we loud. go, we go to this like lounge, like, Hey, we're kind of the best loud. genre of music. Is and loud. then, and then oh, it's yeah. loud. It's, you yeah. know, so it's kind of like a, you know, a contradictory statement. Well, in general, what are some challenges of being like a fully instrumental band? Some challenges. You really have to, like, be, not, I guess, I don't know about being mindful, but, like, it was just the fact that we don't have, like, a vocalist or anything like that, because mo mostly with a band who has a vocalist, like, they're going to be the focal point, like, they're mm -hmm. going to be the one who uh, your, uh, the audience is going to be paying attention to most mm -hmm. of the time, right? With instrumental music, now we have to kind of fill in that space, uh, or that um, empty space that the vocalists usually uh, fills in uh, in terms of like more melodic uh, yeah. kind of yeah. uh, ideas coming from Mark's guitar, especially with bass and yeah. um, Mark. Um, both of you guys uh, on bass and guitar, you guys really come up with some um, really cool stuff. Like, like sometimes I'm just like I just like like perplexed because uh, I mean like you don't like not to say but like you guys like don't like have that much like music theory knowledge or anything like that but you're still able to come up with these like crazy like riffs and like harmonies and stuff like that you usually would hear like jazz or like yeah. uh french impressionistic like composers Ooh. like Debussy or uh, Ravel or whatever but uh it's crazy you guys like totally just like surprised me wow and then i came in who's just like i mean like i i'm uh, i play jazz i'm studying jazz at san jose state um i'm like trying to become more of like a sensitive like drummer um 
So, but then also like before all that, I came from like a background of playing metal, uh, punk rock, and all this stuff. So the, all that stuff came along with me. And since I joined their band, like that's what Matt was talking about. Like, oh, we come off sometimes as like a super loud band, like obnoxious sometimes. And that's because of me, because like I'm like a heavy hitter <laughs> <laughs> as a drummer. Like I just like project everything. Like I don't care. Like I mean, honestly, I'm a little perplexed that you get that complaint because your music is very soothing, in my opinion. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, the genre is math rock, right? Is yeah. It, yeah. Is that, is that what you guys? Yeah. About. The, the, I, I guess say loose. On the spectrum. Yeah. yeah, on the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, which, you know, prior to meeting Matt, I was not really fond of math rock. <laughs> but after meeting with Matt and kind of going with you guys' music, it's like you guys have a very palatable sound. Thank you. Where I, I feel, you know, both jazz heads and also, you know, contemporary, other people who listen to contemporary music could kind of grab on to it. And it's, 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 and I, I guess, I think that's very interesting because sometimes you get. Some like I feel I get a little too lost with some jazz. It's like okay, it's a little yeah. too out there. Yeah. But you guys have a good blend. Yeah. Of like it, indie meets you know jazz meets a little. I guess there's a little hard in it, but not too bad. I mean, I find it's. I think lounge is a very good way of describing the the atmosphere behind it. Now you coming in to them, how was that adjustment like? Um, adjustment. I mean, before I joined the Mountain Chimes. I was in another band previously uh, named Cactus. And we were, cause it was actually a different experience for me because with my old band, Cactus, uh, it was another trio by the way, uh, with bass and guitar. And I, playing with those guys, I've, knew, I've known them since like my, our freshman year uh, of high school. So we've already kind of had like that uh, connection not only as like just friends but like as musicians stuff because like we've been playing for like what was it like five six years and stuff like not only like out with that band but like in school because we were all in like the band program at school um but then um when i was introduced to these guys um it was it was kind of a different approach this time because like i just met these guys i met just met mark and matt um so i mean like to be honest, like, I was just like, oh, this is going to be weird because, <laughs> like, <laughs> playing with, like, just completely strangers I haven't met before. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was an interesting experience. And then uh, the first the first few months when we started playing, like, getting together and jamming and stuff, like, I started, like, to feel more comfortable and, like, just kind of, like, really those first few months I was just kind of, like, um, what's the word, uh, like, just hearing their music trying to like see what their kind of sound is and for right off the bat like when I heard like especially Mark's guitar tone like oh wow that sounds a lot like the band Chon yeah. and like oh like you guys are like into Chon and all of a sudden you guys blow off on me it's like oh god we're like huge fans of Chon and, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. no I'm just I'm kind of help with the commonality I'm over exaggerating yeah. but yeah, yeah and like no, that's the, true. at that point I'm like okay like so we're like because I'm into Chon obviously too I'm like okay so we kind of have like the same like musical influences and then yeah and then just playing more playing more shows uh, and everything eventually we started really gelling uh, together like as oh, yeah. like a trio and here we are now. <laughs> yep. Now, for Matt and Mark, you know, was it before meeting uh, Nick, what was it a challenge finding a drummer to fit your sound? Yes. Mm. No, not even fit the sound, just any drummer yeah. that played drums. <laughs> you, you could take. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, for some reason it was just like a really difficult thing to find a drummer who was willing to, you know, jam a, you know, a couple days or a couple days a week. Um, and. 
It was a huge challenge. Yeah, I, I was having a lot of trouble. We were going on Craigslist. We were, uh, I don't even know, go, going to open mics, trying to find drummers, which yeah. uh, there's a lot of Cajon drummers at open <laughs> mics, which is fine. It was really good, but, you know, we're looking for, you know, full. And I think I think a thing for us, too, was getting um, getting someone on our, you know, in our band that was open to, open to our sound and like understood it enough to add their own stamp on it and i and that's why i think we both like fell in love with nick so much oh, because yeah. like oh. just <laughs> we love you buddy uh yeah we love too. <laughs> um yeah because the way he was able to do both those things like above and beyond what we thought like he recognized her sound oh, and then yeah. the thing about about him like i feel like even the first practice was like a long time ago but the first practice it didn't seem like he was feeling us out at all it seemed like he was just like yep i know exactly what to do yeah like we didn't get that totally. vibe at all like like he's like oh we need i need to figure out these guys out it seemed like within like five seconds he was just like already in so that that was a, a huge thing for us too we're like man this guy picks up stuff so quickly it's crazy so just to add, i thought it was the coolest thing ever like we were jamming we had our first jam and i couldn't help but smile throughout the whole time because it's like he kind of knew what was going on like we were just jamming and we had you know different time signatures and we were changing it up and he just like got it so fast um what else oh yeah and you have a mind of your own so we don't really have to tell him to do much right. he's just like oh yep here we go like he knows where we're going before we go there sometimes you know which is what you want to find in in a, a player so yeah yeah it, that was really cool to go back to the the uh, focal point thing. I think it's interesting because I feel like, um, yeah, since we don't have a, you know, a vocalist, that I feel like the focal point of our music always switches. Yeah. All the time. Like, within one song, it could be on Mark's guitar for a little bit, and then it can go to, like, uh, like a drum tie-in to complement something that he's doing rhythm rhythmically, and then I'll do, like, a counter melody off of Mark. Mm -hmm. So I feel like... I feel like the more, you know, somebody listens to it too, they'll, they'll kind of see that, like, their focus is taking, you know, a little bit of a swivel, you know, to... Is to that each. the jazz background? Where I think so. Where I think there's so. a point where each instrument's, you know, given its time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a that's an aspect of it. Also, the thing with our music too, I feel like we're not really doing too many, like, solos, like in jazz. Like mm -hmm. when, like, you know, the rhythm section just kind of backs off, and then there's one person... I think it's kind of like within like the structure of the the song, the groove. There's like little spurts that like we have like within that, you know. So I, I think that's something that that was kind of something that we didn't really plan on or anything. They just yeah. kind of happened like as we play together more and more, like that kind of sound. Like it's structured, but then there's like you know places yeah. where we all kind of like, take the ropes. You know? um, and going back to the challenge, I'm gonna go really deep in this, but so like um, those challenges you were telling us, like what are the challenges as a being trio? And it's like, you know, having a focal point, but it kind of puts pressure on us to, to make these crazy like melodies sometimes. And so, you know, like I'll start off with something simple, then Matt's gonna add something crazy, then, you know, Nick comes in and then based off his drum patterns, we could see like, where the section's gonna come next. And yeah, that's kinda how we've been like making songs. Yeah, that's, really. that's yeah. a good way to put it. I like that a It's lot a good too. balance of simplicity, but also complexity at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy, like 
for me individually, it's easy for me to listen to our songs sometimes because like the path seems clear, but I mean like, you know, we kind of made it so it seems clear to us, but I feel like it's easy to mm. digest even for the audience. Mm. So yeah. Now overall, what what is it that you love a listener to get out of this album? Oh, that's a really good question. What was it again? Sometimes I ask those good questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, the question is, what is it you want somebody to get most out of this record album? Well, uh, should we just start like that? Well, I think like I want it to. I like it to be a, an adventure for a person. Like I want them to, you know, challenge their mind and just think of like what pops up in their head sometimes. Because a lot of sound that you know I'll come up with sometimes is all memories, you know, from licks and like actual events that happened that took place and and it means something to me so yeah so i want it to mean something to them if that makes sense mm-hmm. cool I, w- I would say um that's I, I really like the way mark put it just now and I'm trying to think of something else to say too but I, I think one thing too is to notice like how much like how mark was saying that there is a lot of emotion in these songs even though you don't hear it from somebody's voice you know what i mean so i would i would hope hopefully people are, are feeling that way towards our music and I also want them to feel like hey this is accessible accessible to my ears I can enjoy this and it's not like turning me off because it's so complex but maybe you know it does kind of open those doors a little bit to enjoy kind of because um, there there is some experimentation there and everything so like hopefully there's a good balance of that of the accessibility the motion and kind of the expansion of you know the mind a little bit. Ho- hopefully that's that's something that mm. we we've accomplished here. I'm not trying to sound pretentious or anything like oh, that. Oh, right on. <laughs> but, that was yeah. deep, yo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, what I was gonna say. Oh, well, as a joke, I was gonna say you guys sound like John. <laughs> but no. Um, well, really, I mean, it's been like really. I wasn't really thinking about that. Like, oh, like is what? that the goal to open up for John? Oh, no, geez. that was the beginning goal. goal. That was like, that was, well, that was really? Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I <laughs> yeah. didn't know that. It could happen now. <laughs> yeah, you know? but, yeah. There's uh, also other artists that, like, now that we're yeah, listening absolutely. to that music a lot more. There's other artists that we would, I mean, I just love to open up for, too. Like, yeah. give that young cup. Yeah. Tricot. Oh, Tricot. I know. Sorry, Nick. Yeah. No, no, no. I was going to say, yeah, I wasn't really thinking about that I just uh, I was thinking I wasn't really thinking about like oh like well, how do I want the audience to feel like when they listen to this EP like all the way through I just wanted I was just like we gotta have something out like I want to put out our music share more share our music standpoint. not like yeah more practical standpoint but also like think about it now like hey like this is who we are this is what we have to give to you um, because like just like not just us like as a band like other bands like all over the place they're just trying to get their music out there and like hopefully like be appreciated for what we're trying to do like contribute to like the music world or whatever i'm, I'm going like super deep or whatever no, but cool. um yeah i mean i was just thinking like hey like this is us and this is our sound and like hope you like it and that's it <laughs> what i really like about you guys and about this album is that it seems like there's a, a legit community behind supporting this whether it's you three your girlfriend's being involved with your work your families are supportive at least i, I know of matt uh, was there any significant personal breakthroughs that you had creating this album that kind of, you know, was related to the music you were creating? Hmm. Personal breakthroughs. 
Yeah, I just feel like yeah, that's a good point. I feel like, like any insecurities you got over, any like hmm. you know stuff like I that. I feel I feel like we've all three of us hopefully feel this way, but I feel like a tremendous amount of support from a lot of different people, like friends and family, and um, like even like people in the community that we've played with. Like it, it, I it, I've I felt nothing but support pretty much. I mean, aside from a few people telling us to lower the volume, you know, like what? A, that's fine, you know. That, like, that really struck a nerve <laughs> with you guys, huh? Uh, no, nah, I, I think it's just me, probably. I think uh, it's a funny story now. It's a funny story. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I'm. I, I feel yeah, nothing but support, definitely, and I, uh, I. I really think it's funny too that like our origins, um, you know, aside from me and Mark, but like our origins as a trio when we actually really started was from um, our girlfriends actually working together. So my girlfriend, Adron, uh, Nick's girlfriend, Esther, they worked at a art studio together. Uh, they were uh, art teachers. And that's how we knew Nick. We went to a show yeah. and and that's we, we met wow. Nick through that. So I mean, just right there, that's a support system right there. Like right. They, they noticed like, oh, hey, you know, this could be something. So they kind of were like the, you know, We'll, we'll say here they're kind of the people who brought us all together so yeah, yeah I would I would say definitely feel a lot of support yeah it's pretty sweet mm-hmm. my favorite aspect of this album though especially the CD is you got some great photography in there wow oh shout outs to Black uh, yeah. White and Sanchez for the photography <laughs> I was a yes. dude I, I'm happy it turned you guys liked it I was very because on that day I was working on a uh, photography series so I was very limited to like a, oh, a yeah. 24 millimeter lens that one and so i was very limited in the angles i could really get you know uh-huh. and i just i was like oh my god i, I came in unprepared for these guys and I, I, <laughs> I i'm glad the few shots i made it worked out for yeah, you yeah no we love it yeah. thanks thanks a lot yeah and I, I really like that you captured us just like you know kind of in a a state of just like setting up for for our recording which goes to like the diy that's aspect so it's funny you say that because that's what i love about that picture and that's what yeah. i love shooting like i, I you know i i, I hate having people pose yeah you know i mean, I mean besides basic ones I'm, I'm really not into like the whole fashion thing of like you know posing <laughs> yeah. so, you know because sometimes you know i, I did do photography for some bands They're like all right tell us how to pose i'm like i don't know <laughs> yeah. so yeah. I, just stand around <laughs> yeah just, just, so i much rather you know find a moment where they're just doing their thing and i just you mm. know i'm like a fly on the wall yeah but on that dude i'm grateful that you guys you know managed to put that in there i'm just like wow yeah again the black and white photo in the uh liner notes of sit drink relax the physical version jms podcast Jorge M. sanchez he uh Thank he you. shot that yeah but let's go down the the songs and tell me some a bit about the songs you know oh, yeah. uh let's start with the first one math problems and interesting about it is that you you intentionally took out the o so you, you got like a stylistic way of spelling math problems <laughs> yeah Nick's very proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> Get that Nick degree, proud. dude. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me something about that song. How did that come about? So, Is that one of the old ones? Uh, that's actually relatively new. Yeah. Yeah. So why am I named a math problems? Because this is actually one of the first songs we started delving into, like that mathy kind of sound, dealing with like those super wonky, oh, yeah. odd time signature stuff. Yeah. It was that that port that portion of it where it was in seven, the time signature of seven eight. Yeah. So <laughs> being me, because like I'm I'm familiar with that stuff because I've been playing, I've been doing that stuff for a while. Uh, kind of started introducing to these guys and like okay 
this is how you count seven, eight. <laughs> yeah. And like, it was a find... huge learning curve. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. So, rough. yeah. So basically, it was just I was just kind of having them count like to seven and keep keep repeating it like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So hard. Nick drilled us for like hours and. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's why it's called math problems because we had so many problems. <laughs> that's with that why. Song that's too. why I wanted to call it math problems. Yeah, yeah. It's, just like, it's, just, it's a fitting name. Yeah. yeah, that song was. Yeah. Yeah. It like, felt a good after we like finished it and like could play it, you know, with relative ease. It felt like a really good accomplishment too, yeah. like because we we drilled hours and hours and Nick was yeah. drilling yeah. us. You never realize how yeah. hard counting to seven really was. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> is it something peculiar that why it's the first song in your album? Is it kind of already establishing, hey, this is what we're about? Um, You know, yeah, way, yeah, it, these different type signatures off the bat, you know. In a sense, yeah, and also like just kind of like that super piercing like guitar yeah. uh, lick that you go straight into. Like it sounded really good as an opener. Like, from my standpoint and stuff but yeah that's I, I feel like that's the reason why I really just kind of put that as the first song yeah. of the EP it just get the energy up a little yeah. bit too I think yeah. showcases our technicality and mm-hmm. um, yeah I think during that moment you know I personally was listening to like uh, Tigran which Nick showed me and Matt showed me and it, it's just great and uh, I was also watching like anime I'm mm-hmm. not sure if there's a lot of anime fans out there but they Definitely. make great music, so uh, great yeah, intro yeah. music, and it's yeah. it's a great inspiration. Like J Rock. Kind of uh, I, yeah, I guess you would say it like that. I mean, I've been watching Tokyo Ghoul. Is this relevant? No, it's not. Relevant. It's Tokyo relevant. Ghoul. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, there was, wasn't there just a, a movie uh, anime con? So uh, yeah, 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 that's perfect. Did you like the movie Tokyo Ghoul? Did I like the movie? I didn't watch the actual live action. I've just yeah. been keeping up with like. I heard it's disappointing from some fans. It's so disappointing. It's no, I, I heard. It. I heard. Spoiler. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I just heard. All right, next one. Understanding. Ah. I didn't even see you guys talking about. It. You, you go. <laughs> oh, understand. Oh man, this was like. I'm not saying it was a battle between me and Matt, but there was sometimes where I'd like it and then I wouldn't like it. Matt said, you know, it, it's a great song that really represents um, the origins of us. So that's one of our oldest songs, just to get into it. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. get sentimental about the songs? Like, yeah. Like, oh, do you get sentimental about some songs? Like, oh, this is the first song we wrote together. You know, like stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, to an extent. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a li- I, I, yeah, I guess a little bit. Yeah. But uh, but the thing with that song is what I was saying earlier is that there's like about two minutes of it that we've never changed. Like that's that's it. And then the last minute or minute and a half. Uh, we kept changing. We had like a like a reggae part at some point. <laughs> um, not that, that doesn't show up on this album. And then we kind of uh, switched it up for for this EP and put more of a really experimental the, spin on it. I think back, a little back, bit back to when you mentioned like there was the end. That's also oh, understanding how we were been playing it live for the past few shows. We we inserted like a reggae portion of it towards the end and that originally we were supposed to be that's supposed to be a transition into covering the song Amber by <laughs> 311. We never got to it though. Yeah, but we, we couldn't, they couldn't figure out the, like we couldn't figure out the chords and like we just, right, like, I forgot about can't that, sing actually. at the same because we just wanted to sing <laughs> yeah. like the uh, the chorus and it just like yeah. it just yeah. fell apart. So we just like let's just play a reggae jam over it. Yeah. And, like, but then so yeah, it was intentionally meant to be a cover of some yeah. kind. Yeah, transition into a cover. Into a cover. Into yeah. A cover. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like very like we'll just like sing a chorus and then end it. That's it. Yeah. Lost Realms. That's Ooh, the third song in the album. You named that too. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I think during that time, you know, I kind of like started learning how to tap, 
And then I can't... Tap dancing? Oh, no, no. Like, tapping. <laughs> oh, it's oh like, I'm yeah. so stupid. Oh, uh, sorry. No, 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 no. That's audience, great. tapping <laughs> is a technique where you use your hands. Right. Um, but, yeah, oh. I mean... Use your picking hand. You use your picking hands. You use your... You know, fingers to yeah. to strike notes that you could otherwise reach with your oh, your left, um, you know, left uh, uh, fingering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, too technical. <laughs> go, go in there. Okay, but yeah, we came up with this cool riff, um, and then we added some delay on it. Uh, Matt thought it was really cool, and then we wanted to go ahead and develop that song. And I, I don't know, it's it's one of our most psychedelic songs. Really soothing, psychedelic. Um, really just puts you into a soothing state so it gets you lost in the realms oh yeah (laughs) self-explanatory in the title by the way (laughs) so we talk about gates clear waters uh Mm -hmm. that's the um fourth song and it's two songs meshed into one yeah so we got into that already a bit Mm -hmm. for the song is memories Uh memories you named that too so oh that that was originally um a solo project it was off one of mark's solo projects uh mo yeah, um, but, but let's not promote. That. Let's <laughs> not use this as a little this plug. Is exactly. But um, what should we call it? Yeah, uh, during that time, and memories was actually made. I was in San Francisco. I was still going to SF State, and I was far away from these guys. And it was just like this little, like what, thirty second Instagram video that I put on, and yeah, we ended up uh, developing that one as well. And, yeah. Glad, yeah. Glad to do it. What's your too. name of memories? Uh, I don't know. You know, sometimes <laughs> we don't really know why we come up with these weird names. That's like, a good point. I think the only one so that we have an actual story to is the last one. <laughs> yeah, the last one's a very interesting name. Yeah, Vernal Equinox. You know, parentheses for the Planet House Bois. Did I spell that? Boys. <laughs> boys. Boys. It's kind of a it's a meme terminology. Yeah, the Planet House yeah. Boys. Meme. Yeah. So the so um the backstory to that song Vernal Equinox, um. We, I think you guys came up with that riff, and then you guys showed it to me, and I didn't realize that at the time. But then I think it was—I don't know if it was you uh, or Mark—that like, oh, like it kind of sounds like Spiller, another band, uh, oh, yeah. a good friend, good friends, were. Uh, good friends of ours. They're amazing, by the way. They we went a, to their show, and we were just mind blown. Yeah. Man. They have a song by the name of Autumn, yes. <laughs> and somewhat. And the, the melodies or like the chord progressions were somewhat similar um, in, in both songs. And like, oh, and then we started getting kind of like a little bit paranoid about like, oh my gosh, like this sounds the same. I don't know if we should keep going with the song. Yeah. Or not. I was like, you know, this would, like, in my idea, um, this would be like a good idea. This would be like a cool idea where we'll kind of make sort of a contrafact of their song, Autumn uh, Equinox. So we developed it, uh, we went on with it, developed the song, and then like naming it is like, we should just name this like Vernal Equinox, as in like uh, Spring Equinox or whatever. Um, and then also like when the, the portion in parentheses of the name, like for the Plant House Boys, um, Spiller, who lives in Eugene, Oregon, um, they uh, live, they live, uh, they share um, a house uh, up there because they're going to school, uh, University of Oregon, and they actually—it's actually kind of like sort of a venue as well because they host shows there, and they named it the Plant House. So, so that's where we got the name, like for the Plant House Boys, kind of be specific. Oh. oh, this is like homage to you guys. You gave us like sort of gave us the idea, and then we kind of turned it around upside down or whatever. I don't know. Sorry, the, the, I was getting 
your phone's case manager it's all good but that's okay so it's for them essentially it's like an inside joke for inside joke slash like homage like oh yeah you guys are great too or (laughs) not to sound like oh like yo you guys are great oh no that's fine yeah (laughs) amazing so you guys are amazing and yeah now like in san jose as far as i know and then again i I don't go out as much as anymore i'm planning to do more now because uh, you know podcasts we're, we're restarting it so we're like all right i can get out there see what's the pulse of the culture here mm-hmm. but you know i don't think there's many bands that sound like you guys around here i think that kind of gives you guys a, a unique uh a place in this in this community thank you uh mm-hmm. do you guys feel that oh yeah absolutely yeah. Is, is it common for someone to go up to you after a show and be like hey man i dig your stuff and yeah and like this is totally new and different i feel like with this group um, yes, we do have like that Sean influence. We have a lot of like uh, yeah, have our own individual influences of putting oh, yeah, totally. like pouring into like this music. I feel like we're like kind of in the cross between like ha- having our music as popular music, like and also like kind of delving into like that more underground kind of style, like math rock. It's like not really a huge genre that's like kind of picking up everywhere or like like reaching like the high like rankings and like the billboard or whatever but i feel like that's where our music like is right now just like it's it appeals to like both like the audience like where like they're just into popular music or whatever and then appeals to other people who just enjoy like just the musicalities like of like the math rock genre or whatever um do you but, feel that yeah. limits you guys in venues was that do you feel it limits you to like certain venues it has to play one to? time one time the the one of the promoters is like oh you're you too want loud. a vocalist oh no so that's all they said I'm like okay understand. oh you need a vocalist yeah I, I wasn't I wasn't like offended or anything I was like oh that makes sense like like the mm. people are used to having a vocalist in a band that, what, that makes wait, sense was this when I was in it? yeah no <laughs> I'll say it all uh, yeah okay yeah. I, I don't I don't want to like but but does that mean that so, you know you guys stay within certain venues and cafes I'm assuming like um I would say it's actually relative other than that one time it's been pretty like pretty open like the venues are pretty pretty fine with receptive instru- yeah yeah pretty receptive with, with our our music and it being instrumental and mm-hmm. yeah they, they've mm-hmm. most of them have been pretty cool yeah and uh you guys are going on tour real soon you guys are going all over the west coast yeah. are there any ideas to you know kind of spread out to other parts of the country or anything like that oof um hopefully and future tours like the right now this is just like this tour is just kind of like testing the waters like okay mm-hmm. like first ever tour it makes sense like it's not like perfect or anything like that but we have like some shows lined up which is good which that's actually um turned out to be uh even better than i expected like the worst case scenario for this tour is like we'll probably just play a few shows in oregon not even go to washington and then come back play a few shows at home but we managed to branch out to one show in Washington, even possibly Vancouver, and then also LA or uh, SoCal area because I, I've been hearing a lot that it's hard to get gigs in like uh, Southern California, like a lot of pay-to-play places where they require you to uh, sell like 50 pre-sale tickets and stuff right. like that, and you're not even a local band, so it's even tougher for that. Mm. But um, yeah, I'm like. I'm just like I'm pretty much satisfied like with what we have going on like for this coming month right now um, but as far as like branching out to new places like definitely uh, in the future for future tours and stuff like definitely want to branch out even more like Matt maybe said like oh even go down to Arizona 
and stuff like even possibly coast to coast at some point <laughs> at yeah. some point yeah um but yeah well you know creating and record is a big accomplishment in itself which is not easy to do uh especially something of this caliber and quality uh, tell me something about your backgrounds and motivations you know because uh, a lot of people you know failure is a big thing when it comes to creating these things and even then once you do that album that's half the battle next thing is you know going out there promote and so forth is there like a, a certain you know mantra you guys do keep to yourselves when when it comes to like you know because con- it's easy to do music it's hard to continue doing music is, is there like a certain motivational core you guys tell yourselves anything like that I got really deep and introspective but, <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting I think to know yeah I think for me, it's just like, I've never really been not in a band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I had, like, from personally, like myself, I had, like, stages, like, more, like, jumping from band to band. Like, middle school, I, it was, like, was, like, 11 or 12, I started my first, like, punk slash metal band with, with a good friend of mine. Um, and then, like, as we approached high school, that kind of, like, um, faded away, and then I met the band that I previously mentioned before Cactus and we hit that off for like uh, a few more years and like a little bit after college since our guitarist uh, left for college and then um, joining these guys like I don't know I just always like especially for myself who's like um, uh, pursuing music as a career like I'm again like I'm going to San Jose State studying uh, jazz studies uh, on drum set and like I just want to keep myself like active like as a musician like trying to play um, as much as possible with these guys and everywhere else uh, and anywhere else like in the jazz realm I mean for me I just like to yes stay active or keep active as a musician but like just kind of keep myself from going insane um, being strictly like a jazz musician you gotta listen to jazz all the time or being strictly like just side prod or whatever uh yeah. math rock like oh i'm well into math rock. i just kind of like, keep it well and like balanced i guess mm-hmm. so pretty much stay busy stay busy yeah keep keep playing as much as possible that's my idea yeah all right man what stops you from going insane <laughs> <laughs> that's a good uh good question i really like the energy of playing live with other people that's like one of my favorite things like because i play solo myself you know um more like folksy stuff and that's I, I enjoy that that's cool but there's something about playing with you know you know uh, in a in a band or you know just having that full sound and getting the energy off you know of the people you're playing with and the crowd and everything everything about like performing and jamming live just like that really keeps me going and I just really so uh, live for that stuff. The so. thrill of performing Definitely. live. That, that's a that's a big aspect for me. Like I, I get a really big um, reward out of that. So that, that's that's probably my favorite thing about about music in general right now is just the energy of playing playing you know music live with somebody and then playing that music in front of an audience as well. So sweet man. How about you, Mark? Um, let's see. Growing up sucks. Because then you kind of have to take on more responsibilities and kind of like stops you from like pursuing your hobbies. But I think one of the things that kind of makes me like really enjoy what I'm doing with the Mountain Chimes um, in particular, because it's like we spend a lot of time together, is that the evolution and the progress that has been going on. 
and it's amazing to see like how the first year our sound was totally different from what it is now and there are songs that we're currently working on that sets us apart from when we first started obviously because of the skill set but even our influences like you stop like hearing the Tron element and you're going towards a different style and we're kind of starting to create our own unique sound um, to the point where like we're proud to say yeah, yeah this is mountain tribe stuff and uh, yeah I, I look forward to see like what's next for us and you know it's, it's nice it keeps me on my toes Great. Thank you for the Mountain Chimes for stopping by, guys. It's really Thank a you, pleasure Robin. having you guys here. Awesome. Where can people find and download your your album, the Sit, Drink, Relax, the Mountain Chimes so, EP? Yeah, so you could uh, visit our uh, brand new band camp. It's, uh, I think the URL is going to be themountainchimes408.bandcamp.com. And then uh, our digital um, version of the EP is available, and eventually we're going to put up the order uh, portion of it for the physical CD as well on there. Great. Yeah. And, and um, you mind if I rattle off some tour dates? Really go, for yeah. <laughs> go for it. Um, so yeah, we are going to be the Big Lebrowski in Portland, Oregon, June 15th. June 16th to Charleston, Bremerton, Washington. A uh, show at the Plant House, Eugene, Oregon, June 19th. June 21st, Armadillo Music uh, in Davis, California. And then June 23rd, uh, SLG Art Boutique, a uh, very... Um, it's our home show. Oh, that's, our, yeah. that's our, yeah, I was trying to think of that. I'm trying oh. to get a show happening. I got to talk to the guy. Yeah, there. yeah. But, um, but, but so pretty much the San Jose date is the 23rd. June 23rd, June 23rd that's at um, Art Boutique, San Jose. And uh, we're going to be at Bridgetown DIY, June 27th in La Puente, California. Uh, that's South, June, South California. South yeah, in LA, uh, June 30th. Uh, the venue in uh, LA, California, and then we have a show at the Honey Hive Gallery in San Francisco on July 1st. Awesome. Yeah. Guys, best of luck, great album, uh, and safe travels. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. You can download the Mountain Chimes EP, Sit, Drink, Relax, now available on Bandcamp. If you buy a physical copy of it, you can actually check out my, one of my photographs that they included in there. So bam, what more, what more reasons do you need besides good, good music, great music, and one of my photographs? Like, come on. Come on, people. Jump on it. Alright, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed that episode and look forward for next week. Take care, everybody. Hang in there. And trust me, we just got started. All right, sayonara. <laughs>